0: over the past couple of weeks we've been looking at jesus's healing ministry from mark's gospel and today we've heard about two miracles uh the uh, woman who'd suffered from bleeding for 12 years that jesus cured and uh the daughter of the synagogue leader who was uh, well who died and was brought back to life and both these miracles point forward to what jesus will do for anyone who will put their faith in him. What we receive as Christians is summarized by these miracles and symbolized by baptism, and we're going to see how. So we're told that Jesus crossed the lake by boat, and when he got to the other side, there was this huge crowd waiting for him, and that's because news that he was able to heal people had spread like wildfire. Now, uh, uh, put your hand up if you are a doctor or a nurse okay, so there 's a couple here. Uh, put your hand up if you are accident prone a few more. Put your hand up if you live with someone who is accident prone My whole family 's accident prone uh, but we uh, we all know then don 't we what the inside of an accident and emergency department looks like, and if you 've ever been to a and E on a Friday night, you will know that it is full of desperate people who are waiting to be seen. Uh, But none of them expect to be healed instantly as soon as they see the doctor. But of course, in the ancient world, they didn't have A&E departments. They didn't have hospitals. And Jesus could heal people instantaneously. So it's no wonder that wherever he went, he was swarmed by these crowds of people. But for the most part, they were people who just wanted healing. They didn't actually want to follow Jesus. They wanted Jesus's power, but they didn't want Jesus himself. And the same thing happens today. Uh, a, a while ago, I was called to a home of a family who, in their words, said that they were experiencing very frightening uh, paranormal activity within their home. And they wanted me to pray and bless their home, which, of course, I did. But I also explained to them, I said, look, if you want spiritual protection, you need to give your lives to Jesus. But they didn't want to do that. Uh, They wanted Jesus' power, but they didn't want Jesus. Uh, They weren't willing to put their faith in Jesus. But today, we've heard about two people who had genuine faith. And the first is a woman who suffered from incessant menstrual bleeding for a period of 12 years. Uh, This would have left her drained of energy, it would have been extremely embarrassing, and it would have made her ceremonially unclean. A menstruating woman wasn't allowed to take part in worship, Uh, no one was allowed to touch her, she was basically in quarantine for a week. Uh, Now, Uh, The fact that this uh, had been the woman's condition for 12 years meant that she had essentially uh, been made an outcast. She was cut off from the community. She was cut off from worship. She was cut off from God. No one had been able to heal her or help her. In verse 26, it says, She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And now this story is also told in Luke's gospel. And Luke, we know, was a doctor. And he skips past this part. He doesn't say that she suffered at the hands of many doctors and she got worse as a result. Luke just says no one could heal her. And we shouldn't be surprised that she'd not been cured when we consider the kind of treatment that was available at the time. According to the Talmud, which is a a text containing very detailed Jewish law, uh, according to the Talmud, one of the uh, treatments for this condition was to carry around, or for the sufferer to carry around, uh, a barley corn that had been found in donkey dung. Not surprising that she'd not got better. Uh, So this woman had tried the world's methods and found them wanting. She couldn't be cured of her physical condition. And so her shame continued. Her separation from God continued. But then she looks to Jesus and she's got such faith. She thinks to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. So she pushes away through the crowd and she just about manages to touch the hem of Jesus' cloak. And she's healed Immediately, she's made clean by reaching out and touching Jesus. And in a way, we can all identify with the woman's shame not because we have uh, an embarrassing physical condition, but because when we look inside ourselves, we can see all kinds of stuff that we know is not right things that we think, attitudes. That we harbor, negative emotions that we allow to consume us, evil desires that overcome us. And it is these things that pollute us and make us unclean. And it is these things and the actions that flow from them that separate us from God. Nothing that the world offers can take away the guilt and the shame and the separation from God. Self help books. Exercise programs, career advancement, attainment, achievement, material possessions, Facebook accounts that make us look also oh wonderful. Uh, none of that will deal with our guilt and our shame. None of that will bring us into a right relationship with God. Those things are the equivalent of carrying around a barley corn that's been found in donkey dung. They cannot help us. Only Jesus can make us clean. Only Jesus can restore the right relationship between us and God. The question is, are we desperate enough to put our complete faith in Jesus, like the woman who reached out her hand to touch his cloak? When we put our faith in Jesus, he restores us. He makes us clean. He, he, we can be friends with God again. And that is part of what the waters of baptism symbolize, this being washed from the inside out, this being uh, made clean, getting rid of all the muck within us. So next we have Jairus, a synagogue leader. Uh, In many ways, the total opposite of the woman with the bleeding. Uh, He was male, she was female. He was rich, she was poor, she'd spent all she had on doctors. He was respected, she was rejected. He was honored, she was ashamed. He was a leader within the synagogue. She had been excommunicated from the synagogue. Two very different people. One with a 12-year-old daughter dying, the other with a 12-year-old disease suffering. But two things they had in common. They desperately needed Jesus. And we were willing to put their faith in him. But it just goes to show, doesn't it, that people from all walks of life, every walk of life, need Jesus. There is nobody who doesn't need Jesus. So Jairus' little girl was dying. And we all recognize that there is something wrong with death. We don't want to die. We don't want people close to us to die. Uh, we, we fear death. Psalm 55 verse 4 says, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. And there are various ways that our culture tries to deal with this fear of death. To start with, and there's nothing wrong with this, but a lot of people exercise and eat healthily in the hope of prolonging their life. Now, a lot of us will do this, and it's a good thing. Uh, we should look after ourselves. But if that's where our hope lies, then it's misguided because age will catch up with us eventually. It's only a temporary solution, isn't it? Uh, then there are those uh, who opt for cosmetic surgery, You know, almost as if we can minimize the appearance of age, then we can for a while at least perhaps convince ourselves that we're not actually aging, we're not decaying, we're not dying. Uh, Then, uh, at the extreme end of the scale are those who, once they've died, uh, they they have left instructions for their bodies to be cryogenically frozen in the hope that they can be brought back to life at some point in the future. Now, I think that's a bit weird, uh, but cryogenics is a growing industry. But I think the most common uh, tactic for dealing with our fear of death is denial. Death has become a taboo subject in our culture. People don't want to talk about it. Uh, In previous generations, death was something that people had to deal with all the time. It was unavoidable. It was in your face. Today, in the Western world, a person can reach middle age before anyone they know has died. So we just pretend it's not happening. Until, that is, we face a situation like Jairus was facing. His daughter was dying, and he wanted Jesus to give her life. And this is uh, remarkable because Jairus belonged to the religious elite. He belonged to the group who hated Jesus, were opposed to Jesus, and wanted Jesus dead. Verses 22 and 23 describe the moment when Jairus approached Jesus. It says, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet he pleaded earnestly with him my little daughter is dying please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live so while the pharisees were plotting to kill jesus uh, this synagogue leader jairus falls at jesus's feet and makes a public declaration of faith after that some people come to tell jairus that his daughter has died and jesus says do not be afraid Just believe. And Jairus does believe, which is why he still takes Jesus to his home. And when they get there, they find all these people crying and wailing and mourning uh, at this huge commotion. Uh, But actually, it was fairly usual for um, people to hire professional mourners uh, in that culture. Uh, So people would be hired to come and wail and mourn and cry at the home of the deceased. And this is who Jesus is addressing when he says... Uh, why all this commotion and wailing the child is not dead but asleep and how do they respond they all laugh at him they laugh at him and that still happens today people laugh at the idea that Jesus can revoke death but he can and he proves it he sends all the scoffers away and he goes in to where the little girl lay just with Peter, James, and John, and the girl's parents, her father and mother, no one else. And he takes the little girl by the hand, and he says, Talitha kum. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately she gets up, she starts walking around. So Jairus believed in Jesus, he put his faith in Jesus, and his little girl received life. See, this inextricable link between faith and life. Well, just as Jairus made a public declaration of faith, and it wasn't easy, he was going against the uh, religious elite, uh, so too today, Andrew, Adarius, and Marcellus are making a public declaration of their faith in Jesus Christ. And again, it's not an easy thing to do. They're going against the grain of the world, they're going against the grain of the culture. But as we've already seen, it is faith. That leads to life. In the Gospels, there are three accounts of Jesus raising people to life. Uh, One is the widow's son, and then Jairus' daughter, and then Lazarus. But of course, none of those people are still walking around. You can't go to Palestine and meet them. They all died again. Uh, But these miracles point forwards to something even more amazing, which is the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has conquered death. So that if we put our faith in him, we too...